welcome once again to the Nano Gang Bangs On, albeit quite haltingly this year. <laughs> We're doing our best. We're doing our best on this glorious day when the road has been plowed out and we get to go grocery shopping. Hooray! For the first time in over a month. For the first time this year. That's right. First time this year. Ah, yeah. We, we, we did we, we did good. We've still got two weeks of food left, but it's starting to get to that point where we're like, well, how can we incorporate potatoes in this dish to stretch the food a little bit more? So, yes. <laughs> it's starting to get boring and full of starch. Yes, yes. indeed, indeed. We, we, we are lucky that we have like, um, I would say we've got two months worth of rice. Yep. by itself just so by itself. Be- between rice yeah. pasta and potatoes we can stretch just about anything yeah we literally could have been stuck for the rest of the winter and been okay but bored very bored <laughs> very very bored both food and, and um, possibly possibly a little oh i don't know <laughs> Yeah, it, we'll be risking a shining incident eventually, but <laughs> I am your host, Jay Daniel Sawyer, and I'm here with your other two hosts, Kitty Nikian and Gail Carragher. Welcome. It's good to see you all again. And as you can tell, I actually have energy today because I got sleep and I got over whatever bug I was fighting and... Oh, uh, it's so nice. I even wrote, but not on my main story. So... Uh, but let's start with you, Gail. How is your writing and everything going? Not great. I didn't manage anything after our last check-in, so I don't know that my numbers will have changed at all. Uh, but it's I'm at twenty thousand one hundred eighty-three. Ah, you you got about another sixty words. Yeah, I think that was just some tinkering. I yeah. came up with a couple of hilarious things to add, and so nice. while I was out walking. So it was just a couple of funny bits. Yeah, I got. I had the distinct privilege of beta reading a thesis by, by someone who I really respect on a topic I'm interested in, and that ate up a lot of hours. Uh, but I also have an article due this week, and so the rest of my writing time was was eaten up by getting a good solid start on that article. So I got 3,509 words on the article, but none on the fiction. Still that's writing. Yep, it is writing. So that would bring my... Paid writing. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, paid writing too. Yeah, which is really nice. Um, But So I didn't add those together, but on uh, doing a quick add on the fly, it looks like for the month, I'm at like 13,560. Um, Kitty, how about you? How goes all of your editing and um, other businesses? I have done 800, or not 800, no, 383 words of editing. You pages. pages? Pages. <laughs> wow. You were so on the ball before we had breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, potato brain, I guess. Um, my brain was replaced by potatoes. <laughs> Your ears don't look like they're they've been had. <laughs> stop flirting, you two. We have. Oh, oh, right. Wait, wait. Us stop flirting? Are you crazy? Have you known us? Fair point. Okay. Eight hundred eighty. Three. <laughs> Three hundred eighty-three pages of editing. I'm sorry. Finished two books, and I'm starting on a third. Um. And started to do a marketing task and realized that my everything was completely disorganized. So, so you're now organizing your file system so you can find your assets. So um, I did a 
random business task that wasn't planned. Nice. Uh, yeah, no, we, God, that reminds me. Do you remember that time? Uh, oh, that time after we'd been together like a year or so, we just about got kicked out of church for flirting in church. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ah, incorrigible. It's like the best ever adjective that I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, so cool. So, and you're off to a writing retreat, what, tomorrow, right? Yes, tomorrow. Um, so taking all the necessary precautions and flying, so that will be fun and interesting. Fantastic. Um, yeah, and then I'll be, so the next time I talk to you guys, it'll be from a secret oh. lair in the north. Yes, and, and only about 300 miles away, and I'm like half tempted to drive over just to have coffee, <laughs> but I don't know about the time. Uh, yeah, I'll be back, don't worry. Okay. Uh, yeah, I... I get up there regularly now because it's hard to get rid of me, really. <laughs> Are you going to be seeing Piper or something? Or Yeah. Oh, well, say hi for me. Yeah, it's going to be great. Cool. Do you still do uh, the traveling podcast? We do. We're on hiatus at the moment because we kind of ate up all of the topics we could right. for not traveling. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then also our sound engineer has been sick, so we had to. We, we don't have anybody who can clean up the audio and put it together. So I think there's a couple gotcha. in the docket, but we do that relatively regularly because both of us have actually been traveling, so we do have things to report into. Ooh, and you talk should about. plug that podcast. I don't think we've oh, ever right. plugged it on here before. Uh, my dear friend Piper and I do a travel podcast together, which is all about travel hacks and tips, and it's we try and keep it relatively short. It's usually about. 20 minutes long or so, and it is called 20 minute delay. And that is mm -hmm. the number 20. Um, yeah. And it, the it's a lot of fun. It's yeah, a, lot, it's a of lot of fun. fun. I got, I got to, to do the audio post for about what a season of it. Yeah, A couple of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, recent, recently we did things like how to convert your normal travel operation. So, you know, we talk about like travel kits and things like that. And we did a whole thing about how to convert that to a go bag in case you needed to go, Ooh, for example, take care yes. of your parents. Uh -huh. If your parents got sick with something. And not <laughs> so, that you would know what that's like recently <laughs> at all. <laughs> no. So um, so we have been we have been like shifting around the podcast a bit to talk about germane to our current situation. Um, but uh, but yeah, we're we're currently on a little bit of a break, but it'll resume. And that's on, it's on iTunes and Spotify and it's, yeah, it's 20, everywhere. Yeah. 20 minute delay.com. 20 minute delay, the number 20. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Yes, definitely worth checking out. Lots of fun. We oh. have, speaking of writing retreats, we have a question related thereto today from a, question, a questioner who is new to our cast, and I hope she Ooh. sticks around after you go away because she's cool. She says, uh, her name is Catherine, and she says, Gail mentions writing retreats a lot. How do you structure these? Are you oh. participating in official retreats, such as at artist colonies, or are you renting a cabin in the woods, alone, or with writer friends? What is the ideal length of a retreat for you? Omicron oh my gosh, willing. what a fun question. I know, right? Uh, yes. So she says she's uh, Omicron willing, she's craving a, retweet th a retreat this year, and so she'd like tips. That is awesome. Um, so I have actually done some sort of strategic study to answer these questions. Like Ooh, what, fascinating. 
what works best for me, what numbers work best for me, what style works best for me, and what length of time and everything. Now, mm -hmm. just like with actual writing, it's different for everybody. So I'm sure Dan will be different from me, but I will say what works best for me. What works best for me is a structured writing retreat where it is simply structured by blocks of time. Mm. So, uh, for the the one I tend to do is uh, breakfast is kind of a loosey goosey. Figure it out yourself. Um, if it's if it's one of those ones that's in the middle of nowhere, then there's just a random selection of food to pick from that's been supplied. And then uh, you write until a fixed lunchtime. So that morning, if you're a morning person, you get a bunch of stuff done. If you're not, you don't. Some people don't wake up until lunch. Then lunch happens. Lunch is usually like one or something like that. Um, and then there's afternoon writing. And then there's usually a hard stop. And what? Um, and I have instituted this on, and writing retreats that have not had it, which is something that a friend of mine calls proof of write. Mm -hmm. which basically means you either just get around in a group and report in about how many words you did or something like that, or in some cases, break into small groups of, say, four or five and read 10 minutes of what you've written. I actually encourage people to do this. Now, it is nerve-wracking because you are supposed to have read, you're supposed to read something you wrote that day, which means you are reading your rough draft of a work in progress from the middle of a random chapter or whatever. It's only like five, you can do five to 10 minutes or whatever it is. Um, and that's really, really scary. But I have found it's really, really good because it shows newer writers that the older writers also suck at the rough draft. Everybody sucks at a rough draft. It's an opportunity if you're writing comedy to see if people laugh at what you've written and things like that. There's no critique element that's key. There should be no critique. It is just proof that you wrote something. Um, that's it. So it's also it's also great because it gets you comfortable with reading your own yes. stuff aloud, yes. which is the single most important thing any writer can do to improve their voice, their pacing, yes. their style, and their delivery. It is also yes. If, if, if I had not podcasted my first uh, collection of short stories and my first couple of professional level books, I would never have learned the art of voice. And now, and it's become my strongest suit as a writer. It's the thing I love most about writing, but I would have sucked at it. I, I would, yeah, I might've learned plotting, characterization, everything else, but I wouldn't have learned the art of voice like I did. I can't recommend it enough. I also feel like it's really, really useful for you to get used to putting yourself out in front yes, of an audience. Especially and if you have no no history doing drama or dance or anything else like but that. But also just like a lot of writers are like weirdly terrified of presenting their stuff to their friends, but they're fine sending it off to an editor. Mm -hmm. And like, frankly, it should be the opposite. The editor is going to be a lot meaner to you. <laughs> um, and you, so, but getting yourself used to doing this in front of your peers and your friends is important. And like Dan yep. said, also training your public speaking muscles. Um, it's not something that every author does, but if you can get over a fear of public speaking, which is the number one phobia, I think, mm -hmm. um, 
in in a micro way like this, it's really going to serve you well in the long run as a yeah, professional. It really is, especially if you wind up being the kind of writer who's got enough of a magnetic personality or an interesting enough subject set that hits a particular cultural wave that you get asked to speak. Speaking fees can be quite lucrative, and they're also and the and you get and you're getting paid to market. Yes, exactly. That's exactly, especially if you, you see nonfiction in your eventual future or something like that. So moving on. And then there's dinner. And then the final part of the equation is uh, almost the most important part of the equation, which involves hopefully a hot tub, but if not a hot tub, oh, at least yes. some kind of lounging around, sometimes booze with writers, often booze, but now a couple of retreats I do are dry, but, um, and then just gossip. And that can be, some people will talk about their works in progress. And then some, I've, I've been to a couple where little critique groups specifically targeting something like story arc or something or world building will break away and, and meet. Do, but do that's, sort of on the fly workshopping. Type yes, of that's at their discretion. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, it, there's a lot of shop talk. At, yeah, at these it, it, it would be worth, I think, uh, because of the kinds of questions we get here at the cast, it might be worth talking after I talk about my ideal writing retreat about the difference between critique and workshopping. Because they're very yeah. different types of things. Oh, I, I absolutely. Um, just to finish out, um, so that's that is the how each day is structured. And the thing that I have learned is that for me, a week is ideal. It takes me about two and a half days to really hit my stride. So if I just do a long weekend, I don't get up to max capacity in the number of words that I can produce a day. Whereas if I do a whole week, I get at least four to five days where I'm writing as many words as I can physically write in a day, which for me is between eight and 10,000. And that makes the whole retreat essentially worth my while, but also like, it's just a really nice feeling to get to feel. I don't tend to get to write that much in one day anymore mm -hmm. comfortably. And so it's nice to sort of experience that. So if you, one if week you is well idea. primed, you can basically drop out a book in a week. I can do a novella. I, I can, I can, uh, that's what I've learned on a writing retreat. I have tried two weeks and I have found that does not work for me. Mm -hmm. um, I have tried artist studio meets writer, like formal uh, retreat styles that, you know, like studio, like the Vermont studio art mm -hmm. artist yep. contingent and stuff like that. I have find those do not work for me. It tends to be a little bit more literary than I'm comfortable with personality wise. I didn't get really, it could have been my experience, but I didn't really get along with the other authors. I prefer a retreat where at least where it's mostly fiction writers and mostly writers that are tangential to my genre. Now I write in lots of genres, so it doesn't really like mostly it's science fiction and fantasy, but I also do a romance one. If, if it's a organized retreat, that's a long weekend retreat, like a four day, or I will usually go a couple of days early and just do some, or stay late and do some extra on my own, or sometimes other people will join me. Um, generally speaking, my happy place is 10 to 20 authors. So I actually like a slightly bigger group. Mm -hmm. And the two retreats that I like the most, how they handle it, are one retreat that has cooks who are paid for by the authors who do all of the cooking for lunch and dinner. And the mm -hmm. other retreat does um, is, in a, is in a small town. So there's food within walking distance of where we stay. In, and, so, and then little groups just organize organically and go off and grab mm -hmm. dinner together. In 
um, one case, we all rent a house together and, uh, you know, room and how you stay and stuff, accommodation is sort of managed by one, one party. Um, in another case, which I like equally as much, quite frankly, we just sort of take over a, a small boutique hotel in the off season and the hotel is delighted to host us because no one else is there. It's like winter in a summer tourist town or something like that. And the hotel in in that particular case is so happy to have anybody that they grab us as a little a little kind of writing room and we all hang out together in a writing room. Nice. Um, in, in other cases, we've just the person who at the hotel is the cleanest and or has the biggest room. We all just like move tables and furniture and stuff into that one room and we all just hang out in that one room. In other cases, you know, there've been like cabanas or hanging out by a pool with our laptops and, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. So for me, larger groups and at least a week are two of the things I look for and specifically non-workshop writing retreats. So writing retreats where the entire day is structured just around sitting and writing. In most of these cases, the writers subdivide into a kind of ambient noisy area, which is, you know, at the lobby of the hotel or out by the pool or um, by the kitchen and then a quiet area, the second story or something like that, which is, or, or the basement or whatever, where everybody's very quiet. And then it's pretty restrictive and you, you pick or choose depending on your nature. Mm. Um, yeah. For me, I tend to like, um, I've never been to one of the larger writing retreats. I've been to a lot of larger business retreats, but not to a larger writing retreat. Um, the ones that I've done, the things that seem to be key for me are a, um, are being away from all the people or at least all the obligations attached to the people that depend on me because I've always got a lot of that going on. Um, reduces the mental noise wonderfully. Um, the second thing is a, um, well, my, my favorite retreats, frankly, have been with you. It's the couple that we've done. But um, having uh, at least one person in the crowd who I can be highly and friendly and friendly competitive with without it throwing their groove off because that I get a serious charge out of that. And the third is, yeah, the hot tub. Absolutely yeah. <laughs> essential is the hot tub and the bowl sessions and all of that stuff that goes on. Um, those things. And um, I think the longest one I've ever done was five days and I had, I didn't hit my natural limit at the end of those five days. So I've probably got, longer than that in me but the ability to shut the world out and focus and um and in my case create a a sort of aesthetic bubble because you know for me I, i'm when i do these i bring along um little things that i find really decadent like uh you know poetry audiobooks of poetry and and really baroque music and stuff like that that i can use just to slide in and there's nothing in the world but me and what i'm writing and the snarky comments that i'm throwing over the laptop screen at my friends who are who are competing with me for word count i would say um Distance from home is an important quality for me too. Yeah, I, I have some friends who like to actually host writing retreats in their houses or at their parents' place or something like that. Um, and I, I have thought about doing that, but I just think I, I'm too easily distracted if I am too close, like within driving distance of my own home or anything like that. So I need like a certain mm -hmm. amount of like 
emotional, mental separation from the everyday, I guess, is part of it. And I also do do retreats where it's just me and another author, and maybe sometimes a couple of others will come in and join us. And the, the one I'm about to go on is just is one of those. Um, and I am productive on those, but not as productive as I am at the ones where there are larger groups. Mm-hmm. But right now, because of our situation, like I'm just desperate to do any kind of writing retreat. Right. So um, I was like, okay, we'll do a short, we'll do a, we'll do a, just a, like a little baby ones <laughs> mm-hmm. that are within the, my control and kind of, I can kind of bubble a, a writing retreat. Okay. All right. So let's talk about the difference between critique and workshopping. Cause this is something a lot of new writers do not seem to understand. And um, I think I understand it because of my background in drama and yes. you too, probably. Yes. But, uh, I don't have, I'm no, I don't have oh. a background in drama. I know I always hang out with the drama kids, but I'm a dance bitch. Right. Um, that's how my school subdivided. Uh, but yes, uh, yes. So yeah, no drama, believe it or not, in my background. Um, so Dan, you should, you should talk about it first. Okay, so um, critiquing is, uh, is what happens when, when you take what you've done in front of someone else and they're like, okay, this works for me, this doesn't, you lost me here, that kind of thing. Um, in a drama context, it would be, here is my current performance of my monologue or my scene, what's not working? Um, mm-hmm workshopping is it's kind of a little bit more it's a little bit more like what they taught as brainstorming in school but much more much more interactive (laughs) and exploratory yes so it's the kind of thing like if uh like uh when uh when you and i did the one retreat where we were working on hotel ethelred which we've never finished and we should someday because someday yes it'll be fun um but uh, we would write, she would work on her sections of the book and I would work on my sections of the book and then we would get together and we would just, we would talk about the different potential futures of the books. We would just I, explore all the little ideas that popped up that we were working with and trying to figure out where to go. It's a, it's a sort of collaborative, iterative, creative process and it's really good if you've got um, either a creative partner or a bunch of creative people who aren't partners but who are interested in exploring ideas without insisting that they take you that you take their idea and run with it and that's the only way it's a it's a good way to break loose of the internal walls and uh, boundaries that you may not even know you have creatively and it's loads loads of fun great for character development work Mm -hmm. world building um you know like if you have a group of characters moving through space and time and you're not quite sure what to throw at them next. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've, I've heard people workshop a lot. Um, and you know, that's the kind of thing I've heard them use yeah. it for. It, at it's, the it's really good for, creative rough draft yeah, stage. and it's really good for scenario development and game theoretics. Like I have this idea and I want to have this plot. And then someone will say, well, yeah, but this idea implies this other thing is going on about your world building, which would screw mm-hmm. that plot up. And mm-hmm. you sort of explore what your ideas imply that the make it obvious to you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really helpful when you have like a group of geeks in this regard, because, you know, uh-huh. you have the archaeologist step in and be like, well, if you have projectile <laughs> magic, then you have star-shaped, you know, butt formation right. or whatever right you know and then like the the chemist will stop it and be like well if you have you know if you have a magical system that defeats that particular body blah then this happens or like a, the biologist would be like well that's a poisonous plant like you can't and so on uh, and so forth so it can be really really a, a good time um, it, it in that regard like, it, it sounds a lot like how a well-functioning writer's room in Hollywood would work. Would yeah, work. yeah, that's... Well, they make a distinction between rehearsal and workshop in, you know, in the 
film world as well. And, and like workshopping, you'll often see in the behind the scenes of like, and I'm thinking about like the Wonder Woman movie behind, you got behind the scenes of how they did the battle sequences on the beaches and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And that's all workshopping where they're practicing the fight scenes or they're practicing the kissing scenes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas rehearsal is when you actually get to like doing it. And that's a little bit more like what critique is where you yeah. rehearse something and then you're, mm-hmm. you know, told to yeah, adjust. I guess on a, on a basic level, workshopping is a kind of a creative exploratory play. Mm. And um, it, whereas critiquing tends to be more... Uh, more serious, more cerebral, more critical, as the name would imply. Yeah, I find workshopping is only particularly useful for me when I'm at the creative stage of world building now, personally, mm-hmm. um, or when I've really hit up against some kind of writer's yeah. block or roadblock in terms of plot or whatever, and I just yep. need to sort of pace and talk it out with somebody yeah. else. Exactly. Yeah. The, especially that latter is where I find it most useful. And I tend to have a, like a list of people that I'm like, oh, this is the problem. This is the person I call to come up with a solution for it. Um, and sometimes those people are like video game designers or, or, or um, DMs. Like, you know, like, like I used to call my friend Bacon all the time because I'd just be like, oh, I need tent. Like, talk this out. I want like steampunk tents for my soldiers, you know, like, mm-hmm. let's be creative with how tent poles expand or whatever. <laughs> um, you know, cause he also had a very comedic bent to his head. And so like nice. he and I could just make each other laugh and we would come up with these funny things for the, that's, you know, for the Parasol Protectorate series or whatever. Um, like, and it's you, if it's some sort of like political system or, you know, like kind of complicated theoretical or philosophical, like standpoint in terms of governmental dynamics or that kind of mm-hmm. thing, you know? So you have like different, you end up with like a, a toolkit of writer buddies that yeah. you can bounce ideas off of. and right. you know, or, or, I, or I want to have a romance that has these constraints on the main characters that they have to get around. Well, what does that imply about the way this culture deals with marriage and pair bonding? Morality. And, 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 and general social mores outside of the romantic context because it's all Absolutely. linked. Yep. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, that's the, that's the difference. Um, and I find that like the 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 critique thing is kind of known and dealt with in terms of like beta readers and all that sort of a thing now. Like people kind of get the critique thing. Workshopping is a little bit different and a little bit underdone. And I think newer writers are often scared of the great doom of having their ideas stolen. Yeah. Um, so like which <sighs> Okay. Yeah, there's <laughs> um, just there's only so much you can say about that before you're like, you'll learn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's definitely one of those where you're like, oh, there are no new ideas, like mm-hmm. quite apart from everything else. It's just how you write them, uh, yeah. which is you know Dan and I hop on, harp on author voice all the time, which yeah. is that's where your strength will eventually lie, and people will pick up and read you not because of that, not because you have had a brilliant idea, but be, that's that's because for how you executed it. Because of how you execute it. Exactly. Um, Um, I think probably the one danger with workshopping that I've seen that I ran into as a newbie and I've seen other newbies do is workshopping until there's nothing left. Mapping it out so fully that when you get back to the keyboard, you're bored. You want to stop the workshopping process. It's just like narration, right? You want to end a chapter on a cliffhanger. You want to stop your workshopping on a cliffhanger. So that yeah, you don't want to overdevelop. Yeah, right. especially if you have an inclination to be a pantser where like the exploration of the universe and yes. the world is pretty much what you're in it, why you're writing. Mm-hmm. You don't, like, I always say if you have just 
a basically like fascinating and highly developed world, then you're not a writer. You're a you're a DM, right? right. <laughs> you're you, you should be doing a game like yep. uh, you're running a game. So for people who are in it for that, like yeah, you can you can overdevelop the world to the point where you're like, well, now I know how it works. I'm not interested in it anymore. <laughs> and you, it's not just the world. You can overdevelop a scenario to where it doesn't have any surprises for you. And that can affect your ability to make it surprising for the audience. Yeah. Depending on what kind of writer you are. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think we've kicked that one to death. Yeah, that was fun. That was a good yeah. little, little chat. So thank you for sending it in, Catherine. And I hope that you stick around after Gail is gone for until she comes back because it's good, <laughs> to have, good to have new voices on the cast. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. And uh, I'll talk to you guys from uh, Northern Parts uh, next time. The great secret writing base. <laughs> in the clouds. Okay. Have safe travels, my friend. Thanks, sweetie. Okay. Bye. Bye.